the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast, your weekly take on the stories shaping shipping. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List, and I'm joined this week by Lloyd's List's very own international man of mystery, David Osler. Hello, David. Good morning, Richard. Uh, Now, you're heading off to Cape Town this afternoon, but I'm catching you briefly uh, before you head off after a trip out to Rotterdam earlier in the week. What were you doing out there? Rotterdam Port Authority organised a rather large press trip for well over 100 journalists to explain what they would do in the event of a no-deal Brexit and to discuss the wider implications for the port of Britain leaving the EU. Now, we're used to thinking, of course, of Rotterdam as Europe's mega port, even though it's only number 11 in container throughput worldwide. It is the biggest in Europe, um, bigger than the second, third and fourth ports put together. So if it loses business in a significant way, then that's significant for the industry as a whole. And that's what we're hearing from Rotterdam. Mm. And Brexit very much on the agenda out there. I think uh, you you were saying that they were expecting a significant drop in um, outbound consignments from Dutch ports if uh, if we get a no deal. What what was the general feeling on on Brexit and how it's shaping up? The Port Authority provided us with English extracts from a larger report commissioned by the government on the implications of Brexit. Now, they predicted that a no-deal Brexit might mean as much as a 4.4% drop in outbound consignments from Dutch ports, um, such as the extent of trade between Britain and the Netherlands. I mean, we don't often think about it, but actually they're, depending on the yardstick, the second or third largest trading partner for Britain in the EU. Mm. We buy a lot of market garden produce, we buy a lot of flowers, and... The shock aspect of this is that the government believes that trade between our two countries could fall by between 25 and 50 percent. That's huge. It's it's, it's a very large sum, yes. Um, I looked for statistics on how much that might be in cash money terms. Um, And while trade can be measured on a number of yardsticks, it's very obviously tens of billions of pounds. Mm. And you were, I mean, interesting, you were, you were talking to so many people out there, but uh, I think you spoke to Stenoline, and I mean, they, they were voicing what I guess is a fairly common complaint. They, they're just, you know, not sure about what's happening. What, what was their view from, from Stena? Much like you hear from British shipping and ports, tell us what we've got to prepare for in good time and we'll prepare for it. But mm. the ops manager that I spoke to, pointed out that their facilities in Rotterdam and Hook Van Holland are actually physically constrained. They don't actually have a lot of space to do more. Um, He also pleaded, incidentally, for what he called a level playing field. He pointed out that UK Border Force has got a permanent base in Calais so that trucks only have to get one check when they're on the Calais-Dover route. Why can't they do something like that in Rotterdam and Hook Van Holland? Yeah, I mean, it's the two things that, uh, you know, consistently is uh, the subject of lobbying from, uh, you know, national ship owners, those ship owner associations to their governments. Give us a level playing field and give us consistency. And that's the two things that will be fundamentally undermined by Brexit right now. And that is a serious problem for ship owners. I guess. I mean, the Dutch government report incidentally speculated about what might happen if the 
UK decided not to adhere to current maritime regulations. I mean, nothing I've heard on the political grapevine suggests that that will happen. But, Mm. you know, what if? And they suggest that British ports, if they were to get subsidies or lacks of health and safety regulations, they might even have a competitive advantage. Mm. I mean, on the on the other side of the channel, uh, you know, this morning's uh, lead story from Lloyd's List, we've got UK publishes no deal Brexit plans for shipping industry. Um, unsurprisingly, not exactly been welcomed by the unions. Uh, you know, we just don't know what's happening. That is the problem here. That is. I mean, uh, the, the two issues that need to be sorted out, obviously, are how quickly are we going to be able to get trucks and people over through ports checks but there is also the significant issue highlighted yesterday of labor issues i mean the uk as a seafaring nation is pretty dependent on seafarers from other countries a large number of them from the eu and for sure staff especially um plenty of the people that that are filling skilled jobs ashore these days are from other countries We, we need to know whether we can still hire them and that's not immediately clear. And yeah. as they kept telling me in Rotterdam, there's um, 199 days to go. Yes, yeah, it, is, it is rather uh, looming in everybody's um, uh, business planning for next year. Um, OK, well, IUMI, the International Marine Insurers uh, Union, their uh, annual meeting is out there this week. Give us an idea of what is going to be on the table out there this week. Or on the table mountain, even. Um, the... Main thing, I think, the attention-grabbing thing, at any rate, as far as I've been able to gather from speaking to the organisation's Secretary-General Lars Langer on the phone, is that there's actually some good news on premiums. I remember when, a few years ago, you first asked me to start covering marine insurance, and I started doing a bit of homework to find out what sort of a niche it was, and found out that, on the whole, Marine Hull had not made a profit in decades. Uh, I was slightly taken aback, to say the least, as somebody who's been a business journalist and done some economics at university. The natural thought, if something is perennially loss-making, why the heck is anybody still bothering to do it? But there you are, they're still (laughs) plowing ahead, and now it looks as if good news the tide has turned but so, so hang on dave are you drawing a direct line between the um, uh, emergence of you as an insurance correspondent for lawyers list and the profit making nature of the business um modesty forbids richard but, <laughs> um, yeah the, the, as i said the good news here is the tide looks like it's turned but as several leading people in the insurance niche told me we're not out of the woods yet um and one swallow doesn't make a spring so, yep, good news as far as it goes, but let's see how let's see how it goes in the next six to twelve months. Okay, well, we're expecting um, some uh, insight on the numbers from you next week, but it's quite likely they're also going to be talking quite a lot around cyber and the whole process of digitalization, not just in the shipping industry that they cover, but in terms of the insure tech as well. Um, it's notable, I think. Uh, you know, having my own exposure to insurance, how much, uh, you know, how many parallels there are between what the insurance sector is facing in terms of digitalization and how they are trying to modernize 
and the um, the process that's happening within shipping and the sort of integration of the uh, supply chain with things like blockchain, uh, both both sort of realize that it is uh, sort of a new awakening and a sort of paradigm shift for how they're doing business. But I guess next week is going to be the point at which they're really discussing how that actually plays out in terms of the industry itself. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at my interview notes here and I've got a quote from Lars Langer. Um, Quote, the catchwords are digitalization, big data, blockchain, Internet of Things, automation. Digitalization is a game changer, not only for our own business, but for the business of our clients. This is something that will run like a red line through all the workshops, unquote. So I think that gives you quite a nice yeah. flavor of it, really. It That's does, really. They he really, he really could have been talking about. at he could have been talking at either a shipping industry conference or an insurance conference uh, over the last 18 months, I guess. Or, in, I get, I'm guessing here, um, but but almost any business conference. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, broadly speaking, we're expecting to hear a sort of a, a, a bit more positivity from the insurance sector. And uh, how do you think that's going to play back on the, uh, the 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 shipping side? To be to be welcomed. What well, ship owners welcome a rising costs? I suspect not. But um, let's face it, Marine Hull has been an absolute bargain for uh, the last 20 years and more so slightly firmer rates um i think it will just have to be accepted as an operating overhead okay well we um wait with great anticipation for your reports um from cape town next week and uh we hope you can come back on the podcast next week and give us a flavor of what was uh, what was discussed okay great thanks a lot richard all right have a good trip and uh, uh thank you to our listeners we'll come back to you next friday thanks very much okay. great thanks bye